I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. And, you know, I picked those little excerpts at the front there, and I love that Billy Graham one. You know, the kind of revolution this world needs is a spiritual revolution. It's so true. It's 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 always true, but there's times where it feels like it's it's really, really true. And you look around our country and our world right now, and you go, man, we need a, we need a revolution of Jesus again in a fresh way in a new generation. And we call this thing in the church a revival which is an interesting term because revive is something you do when something's dead or dying, you know? Um, so how do we, how do we do that? How, what does this even look like? How does it look like in the past? All great questions. We're going to explore some of those today. My guest is someone who's been on the broadcast show and has graciously been on the online show as well. Um, and she has a book that is an updated re-release uh, of a book that's done very well. It's called I Want God. It looks just like this. Just made available this week, so you, you want to pick that up. The author is Lisa Whittle, and she's exploring some of these these big ideas um, that are also very personal. So, appreciate you guys being here, Lisa. Great to have you back on Life Today Live. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Randy. So here's my my first question when we even get on this topic because I, it's one of these words we kick around the church all the time. Um, I don't know that it means the same thing to everybody. So when you talk about revival, what what do you mean by that? Hmm. Yeah, I love that we're even exploring the idea of revival because I think when I was younger, you know, I was brought up in the church like you. And so for me, revival was sort of this white tent, sweaty preacher preaching about revival. You got to repent, you know, Um hell, fire, and brimstone, the whole thing. (laughs) And it was a corporate gathering, Randy. So the idea of revival was very, very corporate. And so I, and I think revival is that it often does culminate in sort of this, this gathering of believers seeking God in a very passionate way. Mm -hmm. But what I came to know revival as was this very personal happening in my own heart. And when I began to go on this sort of exploration of revival, it was because I was in a space of needing to be revived personally. Mm. And so I think that's what's really important here is by the time we see these corporate gatherings, perhaps we've maybe we've done research on them or we have we watched, you know, on national TV, the Asbury revival last mm. year. By the time we see that happening, God has already been working in individuals' hearts. And so that's really important because, you know, the God that we have watched do miraculous things in these revival gatherings of old is the same God who is alive inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so can he do that inside of our dead bones? And the answer is yes, he can revive our own souls. And so I think we need to understand that revival is available to us as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I think I could argue in some ways that that's sort of the goal almost on a daily basis, right? 
Um, right. But yet I also have to ask, if we have been made alive in Christ, why are we? Why do we keep dying? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, wow, in a perfect world, we don't need to be revived, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are alive in Christ. The reality is we are very human. And so we go through our daily life, things bog us down. We have uh, sin in our life. And so a big part of revival is repentance, the repentance piece. Uh, that was another part, I think, of of those revivals of old that I, that I had this picture in my mind as a little girl of like, you know, this big sweaty preacher in the tent <laughs> preaching, you're all going to hell in a handbasket if you don't repent, right? Yeah. And so repentance to me was this sort of scary word. And I didn't realize how beautiful of an idea that repentance is, that it's this great coming back together. And so there's just there's just things in our life, Randy, that we become bogged down by and become distracted by these sins in our life. And so, um, you know, it causes us to feel feel dead inside, feel yeah. desperate, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. And so the reality is we need to be revived many days mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And I would say in this world, especially, a lot of us feel desperate. We feel sick of ourselves. We feel sick of our sin. We want more. Um, a lot of us are living these lives and we say, why do I want more? Why I have all of this that I have worked for perhaps, and yet I still long for more. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we feel very guilt ridden or you know, shameful that we want more, but that is the human condition. And so we need to be revived. Yeah, I mean, just the weight of this world can make you feel yes. like you're suffocating. You need a little CPR at times, right? Yes. Uh, and you know, I when you think about the story of the prodigal son, you know, the the one who was far from God, coming home. I mean, that that's a little bit of a picture of sort of the 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 cultural. A lot of people getting saved, Jesus Revolution kind of thing. Like, oh, they're all coming home to God, right? Mm. But that son that was in the house, he needed some form of revival in a sense too. Because he had yeah. forgotten who he was and and what his relationship with the father should be, so it's it's yeah I'm I'm with you. How many times did you get saved in in the revivals growing up in your church? <laughs> Too many to count. <laughs> right, right. It, it, so we we kind of have this this funny thing of of what the of what revival is, but I mean, it's really that that very personal thing that you're talking about. Which is, well, it, when God created mankind, uh, the 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 original word you know of you know He spoke it was it was breathing pneuma right. Mm. Um, we need that breath, and we need yes. it on a regular, daily basis, and and yes, that's that breath that gives life. Yes, I think the interesting thing is you know, we often think that we are the most at risk in life when we are in crisis, right? We think like it's those crisis moments, you know, speaking of the prodigal son and the, the, you know, the two sons there, we think that when we're far away from God, that we're the most at risk. And I, I certainly think that we can do damage to ourselves in those moments. And we need reviving. We need God to come near. We need revival, all of those th- things. But I think, Randy, that we are often most at risk when we're not in crisis because we forget God. 
and we we feel like we uh, don't have as much need for him and we become stale and we become dead and we become stagnant. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in this place where we say, I feel numb. I don't feel anything. I don't know where God is. I can't see him. I can't feel him. I, I can't experience him. And there's a lot of us walking around like spiritual zombies. And in those spaces where we're just punching the clock, where we're doing our spiritual duties, and yet we 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 need that revival in our own lives. And I think, um, you know, we say to ourselves, well, you know, I know I need God, but the reality is we don't want God. We really don't want him. He's just sort of another to-do on our list. And, um, you know, we find ourselves wanting a lot of things, but at the end of the day, God is not one of them. Mm. And in this world, uh, that desire for God is really, really important. And at some point, uh, we're going to come face to face with the revival that we really need. I, I mean, you could argue that desperation, yes, often leads to revival. Uh, and you know what? It's it's interesting because I, I don't you know I don't know what your COVID experience was like. Um, mine was kind of no big deal. Fortunately, I didn't lose anybody I loved. That would be traumatic, obviously. Um, but I, you know, we weren't as shut down as a lot of states were. You know, I was still going to church. I still was, you know, involved. I went on vacation, went hiking instead of doing something indoors, I guess. You know, so there were some modifications, no doubt about it. And at first you're like, what, you know, what's going on? So there was, there was that, oh my gosh. But so many kids, I see all my kids are in their 20s. Well, one of them just hit 30. Um, that generation especially, um, it is the most, they say, unchurched. Uh, but, you know, the nuns, the ones that don't affiliate with any sort of religious thought. Um, and th- th- I keep hearing, man, how it rattled, the, you know, sort of the, the, the Gen Z, the um, millennials, you know, it really, really shook them. And part of me is going, really? You know, um, but I think it's a little bit of that wanting security, wa- wanting uh some kind of foundation that can't be shaken and god knows the the whole COVID thing shook the world and that was i just looking back historically i'm like there are much worse things that have happened to generations you know um Mm -hmm. do you think that we are in a position where people are really looking for something better than what they've got and they are a little unchurched uh do you, do you see maybe something on the horizon or going on or what 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 do you think? I'm mean, I'm not asking you to like make any predictions or anything. Whatever. I'm just curious. Right, right. Yeah. No. I I I see a a desire for God in a profound way, especially amongst the younger people, and in that a desire for something real. Yeah. And I think. You know, it's been interesting. One of the things that marks revival besides prayer, which prayer is always, you know, a benchmark of revival in the past, in the in the present, and in our own lives, by the way. Prayer is always a benchmark, but also 
it's one of those things you can't manufacture. And what I find interesting about this, Randy, <laughs> is that, you know, we have tried so hard in the last, you know, 20, 30, 30 years to have all the bells and whistles of the best church experiences you could you could buy, money could buy. And, you know, all put on putting all the talent forward and all of those mm. things and you know, let us use our gifts, of course, and and there's nothing wrong with great sound equipment and, and lights and all of those things. But at the end of the day, that raw move of the Holy Spirit is what we crave. You know, there's nothing fancy about when the Holy Spirit moves. Now, that doesn't mean there's nothing monumental. Those are different words. It's radical. It's, it is unmanufactured it is beyond the realm of our understanding and that's what we really want mm -hmm. we don't really care about all the bells and whistles at the end of the day we want raw we want real we want power we want holy spirit and that's what people want and the young people are some of the the leaders of that movement really yeah and so i think and that's what, by the way, that's the way it's always been. You know, the Welsh revival is one of those, the revivals that I study when I was writing I Want God. And one of the things that moved me the most was that Flory Evans was part of that, the sparking of that corporate revival in the early 1900s in Wales. And she was a young teenage girl who literally stood up in church and said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And revival broke out in that space. She didn't know the rules of the pew. <laughs> she didn't know that you can't stand up and say those kinds of things. <laughs> she just knew that, that God was moving in her. And that's the kind of thing we need. And sometimes be, when we've been in church for a long time and we know all of those things, we know too much for our own good. <laughs> and so, you know, much more of that, please. And I think people are hungry for that now. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you know, if, if you're having the same revival services every year in your church, maybe you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Could be, could be, yeah. So, I mean, here's the question I think genuine, God-loving, God-fearing people want to know the answer to and, and I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what it is but can, can we I hear you on the manufacturing thing and, and I hate you know the phony stuff it just and it's not going to work but we want to be a part of it. we want our nation to revive we want our cities to experience a revival yes. we want how do we how do we posture for that in the right way I'm so glad you asked me because I'm with you uh, I, I think that if we try <laughs> to mimic um, or, you know, manufacture something that is not of God, it, it, it'll fall flat anyway. Mm. It won't work anyway. So we don't even have to really worry about that. Here's what I've come to know, though, Randy, and I find great comfort in this. I truly believe and know from the Bible that revival can be um, found in positioning and posturing. And so I'm so glad you use that word because there is a way to position yourself to be ready for revival. And I believe that can really move the heart of God towards that. And um, we, we know this from scripture because the Lord says things like, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Mm -hmm. And it is all about the heart 
movement. It is all about the whole heart, not half-hearted, but whole heart. It is all about um, asking God to create in us a clean heart. Mm -hmm. And so those things tell us that the positioning of our heart can bring a real revival. It is also about repentance. Um, you know, one of the things I talk about in I Want God in the latter part in that last chapter is is how to have a soul revival. And I, it's not a Lisa Whittle idea or a formula or that wouldn't work. It is straight from the book of Revelation. It's Revelation 2. And we find this way to, I believe, have a revival of our soul. And I believe it's a daily process. It's in three R words, remember, repent, and repeat. Now, those three words are not the exact words in the Bible, but I've kind of brought them into a process um, where it talks to the to the church in Ephesians about how to come back to a first the first love. Yeah. And it's very important that we do remember God, because as we remember what God has done for us, that stirs our hearts toward desiring Him. You know, on a daily basis, we just honestly forget what God has done for us. And when we forget what He's done for us, we don't have the same desire for Him. But as we remember Him, which we know from the Old Testament, especially the book of Deuteronomy, all about remembrance, because it was so important for our forgetfulness, important for the Israelites for their forgetfulness, and then we learn from that, uh, to remember God. And then repentance is a huge part of revival. This We know that this nation needs to repent. We know that personally we, we need to repent from so many things. And then we repeat. We do as we did at first is what it talks about in, in Revelation 2. And so I believe that in that process, which I talk a lot about more in the book, um, that helps us be in a position to have revival in our life. And I do believe as as believers, when we do that, that can bring about an incredible process of revival. Prayer is an, really a big, important part of that. And of course, prayer of repentance is is key in that. So I think it's, it, it is about our posturing and it is about our positioning. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that I, I'm, I'm convinced that there are a lot of elements at play here when you talk about the corporate revival thing, uh, whether yeah. it's a church or a city or a a nation and God is very patient uh, mm -hmm. in allowing people to come to him. Um, and so the sort of the good news, bad news, the good news is that you can be prepared. You can live a life prepared. Sort of the bad news is that the timing is not really up to you. Right. Um, and, and so you may, you know, be like, uh, you know, those who had read that circular letter of revelation and, and second, second uh, Peter three, you know, they're like, when's this going to happen? You know, and, and Peter's like, just be patient. You know, days is a thousand years. What he says in response to that is like it's God's right. timing. God's got the timing down. You yes. do what you know to do and you can live that life of, of personal revival while being prepared for the, the wider revival. So yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, and we like to control it, but you're not going to so <laughs> do what you no. can. <laughs> but the personal revival changes us, right? which honestly changes our entire life. And uh -huh. if we would focus on our own personal revival, yeah, 
we it, we could see so much happen in this world. I mean, imagine if we focused on ourselves, Randy, what would happen in the church, really and truly, because we're always so worried about everything globally out here. And, right. and certainly we should pray and we should be concerned about what's going on in the world. But what if we started with our own hearts? And I do believe that often the Lord is saying, I hear you about out there, but what about the, what about the heart we need to clean in here? Exactly. Yeah, no, I hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's hardcore biblical truth right there. So, I mean, there's really no arguing that one. This is the book that Lisa's just released called I Want God by Lisa Whittle. the author. You can go to lisawittle.com. You can pick up the book anywhere you get books and in it, you, you have these daily questions, 40 of them for conducting what you call a personal spiritual inventory uh Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if you just touch on on uh, one or two of those just to give us a little idea of uh, of you know the good exercises we can do as well as a little content of the book well they help with things like if control is in your way if wanting comfort is in your way um you know if you're making decisions or questions like, you know, when I consider a decision, do I consider what other people are going to think? Um, because things like that, Randy, play into if we are wanting approval, perhaps more than we are wanting to honor God in decision making. And what I found is there, there's four basic things that get in our way of a primary desire for Christ. And that is our desire for comfort, our desire for control, our desire for what I call popularity, which is really the approval of man, mm-hmm. and our desire of bless- for blessing. Now, that last one, people say, well, shouldn't I want to be blessed? Yeah. And the answer is yes. But what happens in our life is most often we find ourselves uh, doing things that we desire to be blessed by God more than we desire the presence of God himself. And so this is a, a way for us to to check ourselves on that and also see what blessing really is, because a lot of us don't understand what true blessing is biblically. And so we talk about that in the book as well. And so that helps, these questions will help us take our own inventory on that. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is that it's, it's not that blessings are a negative thing. Obviously, they're very, yeah. But when we seek the the gift rather than the giver, we've missed it. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and to understand what blessings truly are, because in this world, there are so many um, misdirected definitions of things based on culture. And I want us to get back to the true biblical definitions of things like blessings. Yeah. So we understand really what being blessed is. Yeah. It's like. Uh, I just won this award. I'm I'm blessed. The rest right. too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no wonder we no wonder we think that God is mad at us when we don't get what we think we deserve or what we want. And so I want us to really understand what being blessed is. Yeah, that's, that would probably help <laughs> a yeah. lot a lot of circles. But hey, I tell you what, I'll just worry about me right now, not about you know. <laughs> a Super Bowl speech or an Oscar speech. <laughs> All right. Well, so in this whole process, um, you know, I, I don't, are you one that has to work everything else, everything out before you write the book or do you write the book and then go, oh, wow, I need to actually do this? 
<laughs> There's a couple of ways you can approach it. I mean, listen, I um, I would love to believe that I had everything down pat, and then I wrote the book, and then it was all over for me. Yeah. What I will say is this book, especially because I wrote it over a decade ago, yeah. has continued to preach to me in a profound way, especially when you pick up a book that you wrote so long ago and now you're revisiting it. I've done that. Um, it has ministered to me in a way that I can't really put words uh, to Randy because, you know, what I love about the Holy Spirit is timeless messages can only be from Him. Like we 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 wouldn't have the foresight for that, right? And so when I pick this up now and I look at what um, what the words are in it, I know I knew back then that it was was a, an especially special book. I mean, I've written nine, but no book has ever compelled me in the way that this book has. Mm. And so I knew it was special back then, but when I read it now and I see how appropriate it is for this moment, I know that it could only be the Holy Spirit that could ordain that. And so I am relearning. Uh, I am being really convicted anew. This is this book is, is not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that when I wrote it over 10 years ago, I wrote it because I was at a place of my own desperation yeah, and right. I needed God yeah. to revive me. Yeah. It wasn't because I just all of a sudden, you know, had this great idea, the Lord dealt with me and then, oh, let me just help other people. In fact, when I wrote chapter one, um, I was fasting in my body. I had never before fasted. And I fasted when I wrote this book. And it was a process unlike I've ever had before or since. And I could feel the Holy Spirit just propelling me forward in such a profound way that um, it just was an incredible experience. And I was learning while I was writing. And it was it, it changed me forever. I can't, I can't say how much that it changed me in ways like um, the approval of man. Uh, since that time, I have never cared the same about what people thought. And that was a very good thing to have happen to me before I went into um, writing some other things and, you know, going into the social media world as heavily as I did. And I think that's something very important in, even in the in the years to come for all of us as believers. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's, that's kind of where I was going with that question was, was sort of the, the personal experience of walking through it. I, I've been teaching uh, in my church group um, out of a book that I wrote a while back, and there are parts where I go, oh, wow, that's, re- that's really good. I mean, it's because it's Scripture, right? And we're all riffing off the same book ultimately. But I was like, oh, that's good. And I'd read something else and go, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I mean, that's part, part of the growth, growth process. So I, I, I love the topic. Um, I love the personal application because it's 100% right. Um, so, but as you're talking about this, and I know, you know, really the good people, especially the older we get, the more we look at our kids, grandkids, and we want we want God's best for them. Uh, and when the culture is adrift, you know, we just it it, it can be frustrating at times, you know. So. If someone is in that season where they're like, I hear you, I, 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 I hear you, I will, I will prepare. But man, I, I just want God to move so powerfully on my loved ones and, and on my city, on my nation. 
what would you what would you is there any kind of bottom line encouragement that, that you would give to them so that they don't grow weary in doing good? I think one of the most powerful things for our loved ones is to watch us pursue God powerfully. Mm. I truly believe that the testimony of our own lives, not only in times of trouble, but in times of ease, um, will speak the loudest, especially in this day and time. You know, people are weary of preachers. Mm -hmm. People are weary of people like me, sometimes <laughs> um, authors, um, and of Randy, and of all of us that have the microphone. But when people love someone, and they have been in their lives, and they watch them, that testimony is powerful. Yeah. You know, it, it, I just encourage you to keep going and to keep loving Jesus. And that doesn't mean you do it perfectly. That means that you do it honestly. That means that sometimes when times are, are tough, you say, you know, it's hard for me to love the Lord right now, mm -hmm. but I believe him. I believe the Bible. And I, I believe in the next few years that the testimony of those who stand firm and are faithful to the Lord will be the most powerful voice in this world. I don't, I would love for it to be the preachers. I would love for it to be the authors, but I think it will be you. I think it will be the grandmothers. I think it will be the grandfathers. I think it will be the, the saints, um, the neighbors. And, um, so keep going and love the Lord with all you have and, um, use every opportunity to, to, to show that, um, he's real and that he is the only hope of the world and um and pray and pray yeah i love it that is so, that's that's wisdom right there uh and, and boy i appreciate it all right i want to show people your website this is lisawhittle.com you can catch up with her check out her podcast check out her other books um maybe get her come speak at your church or gathering she's really good in, in those arenas live as well so um yeah i lisa you know i i we get a lot of guest pitches, obviously, uh, and you've been on before. Um, I just, it makes my heart full with gratitude and joy when, when I talk to you because of the depth. And I know the depth comes from the experience, from study, and from a real commitment to just what God wants in your life and in the influence that he's, he's given you. Uh, and so, just a personal thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you, Randy. That means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate all you guys out there watching. It means a lot, too. Please, uh, if you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button or like or follow wherever you're at. And share this word of encouragement with someone else. You will bless someone else today. Lisa's book is available wherever you get books. It's called I Want God. You can pick it up now. It'll inspire you. I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Spirit must be Lord.